Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Can you say praise the Lord? So you're standing in a miracle today. This is not any person's doing or the project of an organization. By the way, this has all happened where anything that you read is that church attendance is on the decline. We're in a post-Christian society, all that. And this place is moving in the opposite direction by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. You can be comfortably seated. Thank you, musicians. Other than Tony. Who can take your place on the organ. This is not a sermon today as much as it is me taking a knife and ripping my heart open and showing you what comes out. Before you hurriedly switch off of YouTube, that's called figurative language. I titled today's message, The Mission and Mandate of Revival Today Church. The Mission and Mandate of Revival Today Church. I don't believe, and I'm not saying this trying to offend or anything. I'm just telling you, and I could back it up with statistics. I don't believe, the, not just most, the vast majority of ministers and pastors and churches understand that the church is not place for Christians who are already Christians to congregate and have, have their service and then go back into the world. The church was given a mission and a mandate by the head of the church, who is not the head of the church of God or the assemblies of God or uh, Rhema Bible churches or whatever denomination, Presbyterian. The head of the church is who? Jesus. And so there's these different groups that split because of, of different doctrinal differences But there's not nine heavens or 171 heavens. There's one heaven, and Jesus Christ is the head of that church. So the Bible, which was given to us by God, God gave his son, but he left his word. And this is our mandate. If you alter with it, if you alter it, A-L-T-E-R, if you mess with it, then it doesn't work. Things get messed up. That's why there's churches going out of business. You can't put a rainbow flag on a church. It will empty the church because you irritate Jesus. You can't put a Black Lives Matter flag on a church. You can't go along with what they're trying to do to divide people racially. You're actually helping the devil's agenda. Where the Bible says nation will rise against nation in the original language, ethnos against ethnos. Ethnic hatred. There is no black church. There is no white church. There is no... Uh, Spanish church, Portuguese church. There's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of every tongue, tribe, nation, and race. Interesting, isn't it, how how church will put a Black Lives Matter flag on the front thinking they're going to appeal to black people and it just ends up empty. And then we have, you basically, if you wanted to, could consider this a black church. I'm one of two white pastors on staff. And we don't make any effort whatsoever. I didn't even make any effort to hire black pastors or, or Hispanic. I didn't make an, an, an effort to have an interracial marriage with a Puerto Rican. I found out she was Puerto Rican after we were married. All I knew when we were dating is she was curvy. Amen. I liked what I saw. Everybody that's hired on staff, I mean, Rom that's back behind the curtain running media, he's Brazilian, black Brazilian. I didn't hire him because we need more diversity on staff. I hired him because he's super good at what he does. 
Nick, Nick, Nick's a white uh, uh, Cro Croatian Washington County mutt like me. And he's good at his job. Amen. So, first, Tim, what is the mandate of the church? Is the mandate of the church to parrot CNN talking points? Do whatever. You know, that's why we didn't do pray for Ukraine here. We pray for the nations anyway. But we're not just waiting for whatever the next hashtag is and then co-opt the church to have them do it. Have the church pass out masks and turn the church into a vaccination center. That's not what we do. The church actually stands at loggerheads with the spirit of the world. And so there's an attempt that the world wants to use the church to put its agenda in because we have a bigger crowd. You'd be hard-pressed during any of the Pennsylvania rallies for Fetterman or uh, uh, Oz or when Hillary Clinton came to town. Joe Biden doesn't have 15% of this crowd when he comes to Pittsburgh. And 7% people are there by accident. <laughs> so what happens is they can't gather a crowd like this. So they want pastors to push what they're doing. And a lot of churches have taken the bait and a lot more will. Because they're not winning souls. So Jesus has pulled the plug. They don't have money. So they're actually going to the government to get money. Just so you know, this ministry never took any PPP loans. Ever. And it never will take any federal money of any kind or any state money of any kind. Because we don't need their money. When they offered, I remember a go former Governor Wolf tweeted that they've allotted $620,000 for churches that will help promote vaccines. I retweeted it and wrote back to him. We had more than that come in since Wednesday. We're not hooked up with the state. We're not hooked up with the federal government. We're hooked up with the open windows of heaven, and our source is God. You can ask Patrick. When I had older pastors who I respect and still respect. When that PPP loan came out, and since Trump was the president, and he was friendly to churches, they said, man, th this is God. You you'd be a fool not to take advantage of that money. So I, I, I went in to talk to Patrick, and I had the form. And at, before I could open my mouth, I felt the Lord speak to me right out of the Bible, Genesis chapter 14, when Abraham won his conquest. And he told the king of Sodom, I will not take so much as a sandal thong from the king of Sodom, lest the king of Sodom say, I made Abraham rich. But instead he took a tithe of all he had and paid it to Melchizedek. So not only did we not take the loan, we immediately sowed that day just to follow the steps of our father Abraham. And let me tell you something. No PPP loan could have paid for any of this, and it certainly couldn't have paid for what I'm about to show you that Jesus did for you in this church. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Now, 1 and 2 Timothy, are, they're all great books, but these are especially good for church and pastors because it's Paul an apostle writing in his words to his true son in the faith, telling him what the mission and mandate of a church is. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So you, it's almost like you can get on two wrong sides. You can condone sin like a lot of churches do in an effort to reach people that are bound by sin, and that's, that'll mess your church up and mess you up. Or... You can be so harsh against sin that you also judge sinners. 
Jesus is very interesting because he, he hates Satan. He's going to destroy him. He's going to destroy the Antichrist. But when people were demon-possessed, he cast the demon out and loved the person. So Christ came to save sinners. It gets very frustrating living in this day and age because the spirit of this world rubs up against the spirit of righteousness that's in you. And so you want to, your reaction is to go on Twitter or Facebook and call people names that don't see things the way you do, but they don't see things the way you see because they're not redeemed. How could anyone fall for this? How could anyone do it? Because the Bible says their eyes are blinded, but when the truth of God's word comes in, it opens your mind to God's plan. So how do you act as a church in regards to sin? How did, what did Jesus do with the woman caught in adultery? He got rid of all her accusers, and he said, woman, where are your accusers? They're not here, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Now, most churches in America get an A-plus on that part. I mean, no, there's nothing you can do that would ever get you out of God's plan. No, there's lots of things you can do to get out of God's plan. Broad is the road that leads to destruction for the many who choose the easy way. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So you have both of those things. Christ didn't just come to forgive sinners. He came to give them power to live in victory over sin. Aren't you glad you've received that power today? So say this with me. Christ came to save sinners. And people, when I would preach like this at churches, a lot of pastors would tell me, um, you preach that way because you're an evangelist. But Paul told Timothy, he's writing to a pastor, and then he told him, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. There's no ministry gift and there's no believer that is, can separate themselves from the task of winning the lost. Apostles win the lost, prophets win the lost, evangelists win the lost, pastors win the lost, teachers win the lost. You have Stephen, a deacon, winning the lost. In Acts chapter 6, he wasn't even a, 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 a numbered among the, the, the apostles or ministers. And he, he was giving testimony to Christ and winning souls. These signs, the Bible says, shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll go into all the world and preach the gospel. So you ha the world hates that. The world hates everything we've done today. Everything you're doing is in direct opposition to what Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, and the United Nations want you to do. These meetings ruin their plans. You, if you ever want to rebel against the system, you don't have to go to a punk rock concert. Just get your family dressed for church on Sunday morning and bring them here and have your kids back there learning that they're created in the image of God, that God has a plan for their life, that he, they don't have to question who they are, their identity. Their identity is found in God. That messes up their plan. And that's why they don't like churches. I mean, Haley Gaglione just sang that, that song with that American flag. She's probably on an FBI watch list now. They call that Christian nationalism. But I don't understand that term. What Christian should not love their nation? A Christian should not hate their land, but see, that's what they're doing. They want God taken away from people because then you fall into confusion and you're easily manipulated. You take God away and then you, you start setting people against their own nation. If Chinese troops, and we love China, and Chinese people. We love everybody, but I'm just for an illustration. If Chinese troops came into Oregon and Washington State 
you would have a decent segment of young people that wanted to fight with the Chinese against America. That's what the, they tried to destroy a nation from within. But when a church does its job, it not only helps people. The Bible says, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will what? Heal their land or revive their land. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what political party, I don't care what global cartel has plans otherwise. 2023, 2024, and 2025 will be years where God heals America and this land is shaken one more time by the power of God. And if you're watching from Media Matters and you're going to get a clip of this on CNN, call me whatever you want. No one's watching. Christ, say one more time, Christ came to save sinners. And then Paul said, I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. You see that? Prime example of his great patience with, which, with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you to fight well in the Lord's battle or to wage a good warfare. To fight well in the Lord's battle or to wage a good warfare. So a concept that I'm going to introduce, that I'm not introducing, that Paul introduced, is the subject, the term warfare with church. Now, for everybody watching from the NSA, the Bible says we don't do what we do by physical weapons. But Paul was telling a pastor, I'm telling you these things so that you might war a good warfare, or in the New Living Translation, fight well in the Lord's battles. The church is engaged in a spiritual mission. That there is... A, you know, some sermons you hear, it's like they talk like there's no devil. There's a devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's sitting on people. There's people right now in Coriopolis. If you knocked on their door and invited them to church, they'd curse at you. And they'd already be drunk by uh, uh, 1104 in the morning. And they'd be angry at God, though they've never met him. And I, I don't like you. Don't doubt. Because there's a blinding of their eyes. The devil can't do anything to get back at God, so he's targeted the thing God loves most. People who are made in his image to destroy their lives and drag them to hell. And the agent that's going to do something about that is not God. It's the church. Because everything that's done on the earth has to be done by men and women. No one's ever bought fentanyl from a demon. A demon has to get a man to cooperate with his mission to put drugs in a region. And nobody's ever received Christ unless they've heard the gospel preached to them. That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Can you say amen? Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1, the subtitle in my Bible says, A good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's, what, that's the role model we follow in this church. I'm not the head of every ministry. Everything doesn't have to get run through me and my wife. I'd be dead. We, we raise up strong pillars of people that have expertise in areas and turn them loose. We're getting ready to launch Revival Today Motorcycle Club and have people in charge of that that love riding motorcycles, but they're born again, and they're going to be able to infiltrate biker gangs and regular motorcycle clubs and win them to the Lord. This church is like an octopus with arms in every facet of society, college, high school, motorcycles, fitness, entrepreneurs, that people can hear the gospel and be saved. This is not a church to sit and listen and be entertained, though you'll be entertained. I say crazy stuff that strikes people funny, and then we have music and other things. But this is not come and see a show every Sunday. This is the raising of an army of believers to give the devil the worst time he's ever had in Pennsylvania and in the United States of America. If you're a part of that army, can you shout a loud amen? amen. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier. Everybody say good soldier. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Always remember, for the sake of time I'm going to skip this creed. Verse 14, remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present. That's a, a, a job for a minister is to work hard. Now, I'm not lifting myself up as a, as a shining example, but one reason this church grows is we don't sit on our hands waiting for next Sunday. Drive by most churches, the building, what are you going to spend $8 million on a building and have it sit empty except for 85 minutes a week on Sunday morning. There's constant flourishing of activity at our church for youth and young adults and seniors brunch and then ourselves. We just got back from Texas. I preached all week in Texas, came back here, and then if you're watching, I'll be in, in Ohio or West Virginia. I'll be in Parkersburg, West Virginia, beginning tonight at 7 through Friday at 7, and I would also be doing 10 in the morning, but the pastor, uh, and I'm not criticizing, he didn't want to do morning services, fine. But we do morning and night when I'm on the road and then when I'm here. Then I'll get back on Friday night. It's a 40-minute flight from Parkersburg here. Couldn't you drive it? I could, but it's only 40 minutes, so I'm picking the 40 minutes. And I'll get back... About midnight on Friday night, we have the seniors' brunch at 11 in the morning that Saturday, and then back here with you on Sunday and keep the ball rolling because part of the task of a minister is to work hard. I talked to a man who comes here sometimes. When the, when the fracking first hit in, in Pennsylvania and they found this deposit of natural gas and a way to get it, he told me he'd get on a helicopter at 4 in the morning and fly to seven different oil pads, natural gas pads, and come home one in the morning, two in the morning for years. So if a bricklayer works hard and a roofer works hard and an engineer works hard, a preacher is supposed to work. Can you say amen? They're supposed to do what's called the work of the ministry. So it goes on. 
uh, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth or rightly divides the word of truth. Avoid foolish, worthless talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Say that word that Paul introduced with me. Say warfare. If you study, and I've got a friend of mine, he's my neighbor, Tom. He probably, I probably should just pass the mic to him at this point. But if you study World War II, there was this guy named Adolf Hitler. And Hitler was making plans to unify Germany and building up tanks. He had war on his mind. And England had this leader named Neville Chamberlain. Neville Chamberlain tried to appease Hitler by a spirit of benevolence. He'd go meet with Hitler on his mountain retreat and take pictures with him, offer him food, you know, from try to appease him like that. When someone has war on their mind, to operate in a spirit of benevolence with them is asinine. It ensures your destruction. You know, some of you, before you got saved, if you were ever at a bar or someplace where two men fought, sometimes the two guys had two different views of what a fight was. One guy wanted to shove around a little bit and wrestle, and the other guy was prepared to go to jail for 25 years for murder. Which guy won? Which man won? Yeah, and they're going, hey, wait a minute. I didn't, no, you got involved, and this guy doesn't have the set of rules you thought. So it wasn't until Winston Churchill came and engaged in a spirit of warfare against a man committed to war. And I know this isn't Sun Tzu's principles. I realize you, you I thought we were at church, not West Point. But I'm showing you what Paul said about the church. Most American churches, if you're watching from Canada, nearly all Canadian churches, European churches, the, the devil is Hitler. He's not looking to make people unhappy. He can't be reasoned with. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He won't be happy till you and your family are dead. And you have the church. Most churches are Neville Chamberlain churches, giving out socks and food and water. But they're not addressing. How many of you have seen the killings that have been going on in McKeesport, left and right? Just people shot like Philadelphia. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, that will stop because this church is here. And light and darkness can't operate the same place. So I, I told some people on staff yesterday, I said, that's either going to, going to slow down on its own by our prayers or I'm going to put a tent up. They said, they said there's nothing but vacant lots there pretty much. Well, that's easy to get a permit to get a tent then. And we'll put up a tent. I'll do a 90-day meeting there till every gang member, drug dealer, everybody is born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. The devil will not turn this place into Philadelphia or Chicago. The church is going to have the final say in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we're engaged. You don't go to, you go to McKeesport. Or, or where's that place? McKeesport, right? Where are the people getting McKees Rocks in McKeesport? You go there and start passing out socks and water bottle, they'll thank you, and the shootings will continue. But a, a church is assigned by God to be a bastion of light. Now, your warfare is not, you don't go there and tell the gang members, now listen, I'm Pastor Jonathan Shuttlesworth. If I hear about one more shooting, I'll kill everybody that's involved in any gang here. You don't do that, not till the millennium. 
Right now we're in what's called the dispensation of grace. So the Bible says, listen to this, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are what? Mighty, actually mightier. If I had an army, like the U.S. Army backed me, like the 1800s, and we just went in and just took everybody out, that's actually not as powerful as what God's given us to preach the power of the gospel and shake a city without one bullet being fired. How many of you um, were on soul winning teams yesterday doing crusades and winning people to Christ? Stand on your feet so people can see you. This is just yesterday. Go, going into the housing projects and Section 8 housing and telling people, Jesus loves you. There's a better way. Come to Christ. How many people responded to receive Jesus Christ yesterday with, with all three teams? 93. 93 first-time decisions for Christ yesterday by these young people that are out telling people about Jesus. Congratulations. Great job. We're not a Neville Chamberlain church. We're a Winston Churchill General Patton church. Our church is even located on Patton Drive as a reminder that we're not messing around with the devil. We're not taking pictures with him and saying, listen, if you could just ease up on the shootings. No. One is kicking the other out, and we're not going to be driven out. We are here. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, and the devil's going to get his rear end thrown out of Pittsburgh this year in the name of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. This is entitled The Mandate and Mission of Revival Today Church. And I'm using these scriptures so you know I didn't come up with my own plan. This was not an angel appeared to me in my hotel room last night. This is the Bible mandate of the church. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. Everybody say mighty weapons. So the preaching of the gospel is a mighty weapon. Laying hands on the sick is a mighty weapon. It blows the devil out. And there are places where the devil's camped in a region. I was listening to the man that built the largest church in the world. He's in heaven now. His name was David Young Yi Cho. He was in South Korea. He talked about praying for hours and clearing the atmosphere. And he said when he went to Japan... With all their idols, he couldn't get any of the Japanese leaders in government to receive the gospel, so he had a plan. He got them all on a plane with him and flew them back to South Korea and preached to them there, and they said, we get it now. So there are powers that keep people from believing. There's people in your family you could invite anywhere. They wouldn't need any details, and they'd go. But if you invite, come to church with me. What kind of church is it? What time does it start? Who's the pastor? What do they want there? The devil, people that have no strong opinion on everything, for some reason have a strong opinion against God and Jesus and the church. It's demonic. So God gave us weapons to do something about it. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Strong weapons like miracles. I prayed for a girl named Lulu. Outside of Boston, Massachusetts, she was from the Boston Deaf School. So her interpreter brought her and her sister. They were just coming to church, but then when they heard me preach and she was signing to her, she said, can you pray that my ears come open? 
I put my finger in her ears like Jesus did, prayed, and I said, do you hear any better? And she still had that dull look on her face and looked at her interpreter. I don't hear any better. Well, at least she was honest. I said, if you'll come back tomorrow, give me one more chance. So I fasted that whole day, no food, prayed for her. And then that night when I was preaching, I felt the Spirit of God come on me. I, I pointed her and gestured for her to come here. Stone deaf, born deaf. And her interpreter came with her. And I put my fingers in her ears. I said, you deafness in Jesus' name, come out. And when I pulled my fingers out, she didn't look at her interpreter for the first, you know, I was looking, getting some. She looked at me and went like this as the sound came in for the first time. And she looked at her interpreter and signed, I can hear everything. Her interpreter was a, a, a tall Brazilian lady. And when she signed it, she signed something back to her, like making sure, and she signed it again. And the interpreter was not a Christian. She passed out. She didn't fall out under the power. She fell straight backwards on the ground because it, it shocked her so much. John 2, 23, and many believed on him. Many believed on him seeing the miracles that he did. This church in 14 months has already seen God do great and mighty things amongst the lives of the people. So those things destroy, and I'm, I'll tell you, I've been doing this a little while, that interpreter thought what I was doing was nice, and that's nice that you pray, but she, she had no, that's why she passed out. Now, come on, let's be honest, let, let's be realistic. You're a deaf person that's born deaf can't hear. And so it all stays in the, in the realm of argument. Do you know how many times we've had somebody healed of a serious disease? And the next service, that's why do you think I'm preaching in West Virginia, not just one night, the week? Because what happens is, like that lady in West Virginia, in Wheeling, West Virginia, her son was deaf. He got healed. The next service, it's her, her sister, her mother, the cousins, come and see this God who did this for us. Because God won't wait till you die to take you to heaven. If you call on him, he'll give you a piece of heaven on earth in your life. So that's how we destroy the devil's strongholds is by the preaching of the word, praying for the sick, casting out devils. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus told the disciples to do. And it's sad that if you do that now, so few people do it that they brand you a um, cult or an extremist church when really the other churches are extreme. Someone should call the IRS on the other churches and say, they don't want anyone to Christ or pray for the sick. They should have their tax-exempt status revoked. It's not the other way around. This is the normal. What we're doing is the normal operation of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shoot, I left that book at home. I've been reading. Anybody know Robert Schuller or heard of Robert Schuller? He built the Crystal Cathedral in California. I ordered his book, Your Church Has Possibilities. It was published in 1974. It'll be 50 years old next week. It was the last copy on Amazon when I bought it. Old book, out of print. As I'm reading it, you thought he wrote it now. He's writing about how cities think churches don't need to be any bigger than 500 people. They don't need any more than three acres of property. And he's writing that the mission of the church, anybody that built a big church understood that it's not about how big you want your church. It's about how many people are you comfortable with going to hell. There are families here today that got saved in these last 14 months and you've been changed and your wife has been changed and your children have been changed. There's a ton more families out there that are in pain and dying and going to hell but we will not let that happen we've been commissioned to change that
not by might, not by power, not by government program, but by the Spirit of Almighty God. That guy, Young E. Cho, that I mentioned, he was a Buddhist and got tuberculosis and was dying as a teenager. And some lady that was at a little prayer meeting, Christian prayer meeting, felt the Lord speak to her to go to that house and there'll be a teenage boy there, pray for him to be healed. He's so sick he can't talk, coughing up his lungs. She went in, laid his, her hands on him and prayed, crying, Lord, heal him. And he told the story. He said, I was a Buddhist, but I thought sitting there, no Buddhist in 10 years has come here and prayed for me. No one's cried over my body. That's what we have. Christians have love and compassion. That's not, that's not just reserved for platitudes from a pulpit. It's active love. I love you. There's a better way. Listen to me. I'll pray for you. God will turn your situation around. I've always liked Mike Tyson for whatever reason, from the time I was a kid. He had his daughter was in a terrible accident. I heard him tell it on the documentary. They did Bernard Hopkins, him, and Evander Holyfield. And he told the story that he's, his daughter's on life support. And he said this other family who their daughter was on life support came over and said, can I pray for you? And they prayed, and the Christians, real Christians. And he said, he cried on the, Mike Tyson cried. He's like, it's like watching a lion cry. He starts crying. He said, and I thought to myself, who are these people that care? Their daughter's also dying. Why do they care about me? That's what Christians have. That's why love, it's, it's not some, how I many know we have love? And, no, it's an active love. Well, you're willing, like the apostles and Jesus, to let people spit in your face and say mean things about you. Because you don't, I know, I know why you're saying it. Because you've been blinded. The devil's made you mad. You got molested when you were six and you're angry. It opened the door to something. I don't care. Say what you want. I love you. Jesus loves you. There's a better way. And that love that comes by the Spirit of God gives us power to snatch souls out of the devil's hand. Holy Ghost love. So what is the mandate and mission of Revival Today Church? Which is just the mandate and mission of every church. Number one, Mark 16, 15 through 20. And then Jesus told them or commanded them. It's a command. It's not when you can get around to it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Why can't you people keep your religion to yourself? It's against our religion to keep our religion to ourselves. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be damned. Turn to Acts chapter 2. I need to hurry up. Acts chapter 2. Right after the day of Pentecost with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Verse 37. Verse 36. 
So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and to those who are far off, even all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging, long time, strongly urging his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked and perverse generation. Then those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000. Day one, 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. If you weren't born in church, that's a word nobody uses. So it's like get together. Enjoy each other's company. It's hard to live for Jesus when you're the only one doing it. But it gets easier when you're walking with people that are on the same path as you. So fellowship, that's part of why God put the church here. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Number one, win souls. I want to show you how powerful it is when you win a soul. This is a lady, when we were preaching in a park in Philadelphia, no church support, just in the projects. Like the things I'm sending the young people out to do, that's what I did. When the, when the head of parks in Philadelphia found out we weren't just going to pass out food, we were going to preach, he upped the price from 7500 to 48000 You don't need to do that here. What do you need to do that here for? Because the, the, devil, the devil doesn't like the gospel. So we, we got the money and paid it and preached in the second poorest, second most violent neighborhood in America. And then why do you do it? We had 2,564, uh, I think, saved. That might be my garage door code, but one of the two. <laughs> 2,564, I think it was. And um, <laughs> I, think I, I think that's right. So you hear that number, that's great. Well, here's one. Now, when you watch this lady give her testimony, watch her sons next to her. It's the difference between growing up with a drug-addicted alcoholic mother or then forget them getting saved. Then you get a mother like a dollist that starts teaching you. You're creating the image of God, Camila. God's hands on your life. God's going to use you. You see the house we're living in? God will give you a better house than that. When you believe God, he's going to open all kinds. It's different than what a lot of us had to hear growing up. I feel like the Bible Belt is going to move from Texas and Oklahoma up to Pittsburgh. This state will be the Bible Belt of the United States. Number one, win souls. The church is called to win souls like her. They're, they're in hell. That's why you preach the good news. You can't just come in preaching about hell. They, don't, they have no fear of hell because they're already living in hell. That's what Young E. Cho said. It was right after the Korean War. He was going door to door and telling them about hell. And the one lady looked at me and said, look where I'm sleeping. She was sleeping on a rice mat on her floor. I have no food and I'm sick. I'm already in hell. The gospel doesn't mean bad news. It means good news. 
tell about heaven and Christ and his power. Amen. Amen. Number two, the church is called to grow in number. 3,000 on day one. 3,000 were added that day. I wrote this thought down. It's asinine to introduce the concept of moderation in war. Now, I already talked about the spirit of benevolence in war. Moderation. If you're going to go to war, you go full bore like a fight. If you're going to fight, one guy doesn't have your rules that you're going to punch a little bit and then make up later. One, one guy's nuts. So when you're in a war, and we're in one, whether everybody not in church, everybody is in a war whether you like it or not. There's a devil that wants to kill you. There's a God who sent his son that you can be saved and gave his word. So if you're engaged in a conflict, it is asinine to introduce moderation in war. Well, let's just get some people saved. No. Just like the devil's willing to go to the mattresses, the church should be willing to go to the mattresses. Can you say amen? And the early church shared that view. Acts 4, 2 through 4. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. So there's, there's 3,000 on day one, two chapters later. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there's a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard the message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled 5,000 men, just men. So 120, 3,120, now you're at 5,000 men. Now chapter 5, 28 through 29. They told them, we gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. Instead, you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than man. Number three, the church is called. So big church is how it's supposed to be. It's not an ambitious pastor. It's the blueprint of the church. Nobody would build a Major League Baseball stadium that seats 40 people. They have a big plan. And the church has a much greater plan than Major League Baseball. Yeah. Number three, the church is called, once they get people saved, to help them grow in personal strength by the Word of God. Ephesians 4.14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So the Bible says once the seed, once the soil receives the seed, the word, the enemy comes at once to take it back. I won't even take a show of hands. There'd be too many hands. You came to church the first time, came to the altar, you went home, out of nowhere, your mother, whoever lives there, Where'd you go today? You know, the devil does not like losing captives. So you don't just get people saved. They need to be put in a church where they can be strengthened and grow by the word of God. Can you say amen? My mother got saved. Somebody passed her a homemade tract at the mall. Many of you have heard me tell the story. And then the devil gave her a hard time. A bunch of different ways. And her pastor, there was a pastor who lived in this area that people should know about. They haven't written any books about him. Someone should write a book. Not me. I don't like to write or read or physical movement. I like to eat and sleep. 
His name was Ralph Volpe. He pastored a church called Central Assembly of God in Houston, Pennsylvania. He was a great man. He took that church when it was very small and grew it very large. And when my mother was having a hard time at Bible college, he flew in the 70s. It used to be a big deal to fly. Now you just hop on the internet. You used to have to have a travel agent, go to the airport and book a ticket. He flew from Pittsburgh up there to help my mother out, keep her in Bible college so she didn't lose it. Then there's no me. She met my dad at Bible college. It was the devil trying to get my mother out of the plan of God, and he took time. A pastor is a father. That's why there's not just me here. We keep hiring more and more pastors as the church grows to have a proper ratio of men of God to help people. Number four. So so you get them saved, then you grow them strong. Number four. The church is to be a place of prayer. Jesus said, my father said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. We pray Tuesday through Friday, noon to one. We do three all-night prayers a year. The the attendance keeps growing because prayer is a, a foundation of church growth. There's things that have to be dealt with in prayer. You break You break demonic opposition in prayer. There will come a time in this church where people, I'll tell you what prayer will do. And I'm going to, Acts 4, 23 to 35 is what I'm using, where they prayed. And they prayed that God would bless their endeavors as they reach out to keep preaching the gospel. So prayer, um, I'll tell you what God told Dr. Young Yi Cho when his church was just starting. And he was praying for church growth. He said, when I fed the Israelites with quail in the wilderness, how many, how many quail do you think they could have got if they went out on their own with their own two hands to go get quail? They'd have died a sunstroke out in the desert looking for birds if there was any. You can only hold so many. He said, but I rained quail from heaven. And when you pray, God said, I'll open the floodgates of heaven and pour out the thing you're trying to get. The day will come in this church where thousands will be here with no explanation as to how they got here that will have broken through in prayer and multitudes will come. Prayer. This is a spiritual endeavor. You stand in the place of prayer because you have an enemy whose name is the devil. What does prayer do? This is one prayer service we had in the afternoon. Again, this is not Showing, I'm just showing you what prayer does. Because people think, you know, Joy Behar on The View, these people think they can pray. They think they can pray a virus away. They think they can pray. You know, the, the guy that said on CNN, these people think they can pray a virus away, I prayed him away. He's not on the air anymore. <laughs> Jesus said, you can speak to the mountain and tell it to move, and it will obey your command. It's not a fruitless endeavor. It's not something to give you some false comfort. Prayer carries power to move immovable things. I see every immovable thing in your life being uprooted today. Play the fentanyl video. I curse heroin addiction. I curse the supply line of fentanyl into this city. In Jesus' name, I curse. I curse the supply line of heroin and fentanyl into this city. There will be arrests in the next seven days. The police will think they caught a lucky break, but it's not luck. In Jesus' name, let a curse come upon everybody that has a hand in the supply of drugs to this city. FBI, CIA, corrupt DEA, regular gang members, anybody that has their hand in the supply of drugs to this city, I curse that. In Jesus' name, enough deaths, enough parents having to bury their children. In Jesus' name.
This is the man state agents arrested in one of the largest fentanyl busts in recent memory. Now we are talking about a lot of drugs. They found 700,000 individual doses of fentanyl at his Pittsburgh area home. Channel 11's Gabriela DeLuca is live now with how local and state law enforcement pieced this all together. Gabby? Lisa and David, the state attorney general, told me this is one of the biggest busts that has happened here in Western PA. He said the fact that this high-level dealer is behind bars will make a difference in our part of the state. Drugs, that's good, that's guns, good. cars, and cash. Police and that was in, I said by the end of the week, it was in 24 hours. And that's not a high-level dealer. The high-level dealer has a suit and tie somewhere, possibly in a government agency. Because that's how it works. There's people at high levels that think the earth's overpopulated and that there's too many people on welfare, they're a drain on the system. So there's a reason why even during, how come there was a, a steel pipeline, uh, there's a supply chain shortage on steel. There's a, everything you went to buy, there was a supply chain shortage. No one ever went to buy fentanyl and they said, right now you have to understand we're in COVID. And so the factories in Mexico have shut down for a little bit. Correct or incorrect? You won't hear a pastor say this much, but watch um, Sicario 1 and 2, and it'll help wake you up for how the world works. Because it's a plan to destroy people, destroy inner city people, and poor people. How many abortion clinics are there in Sewickley? How many are there in the Hill District, in Homewood? They can actually get people so demonically confused that they come to rallies to cheer the deaths of their own people. We're going to fight for women's rights to have abortion. They're killing your, they want black people dead and Hispanic people dead. They're not in white neighborhoods. So don't clap like a seal. Yay. And then the whole welfare system. While I'm, while I'm turning the crowd against me, let's see if we, how many we can get. How do you develop a financial system that pays people to have babies out of wedlock and then penalizes them if they get married? You think that's not demonic? You can give all the speeches and elect all the new representatives you want until, until that financial system of profit off of abortion is dealt with. But guess what? We did a little thing called 40 Days of Glory last summer, and within the first week, Roe versus Wade got flipped. And if you think we're getting, we're just getting, let every devil know we're just getting warmed up. The fentanyl distribution network is under a curse. It got busted again this week. The tide has turned. This is not time for death. This is time for revival. I didn't get into the ministry to do funerals. Stand over someone's casket that overdosed at 23 and God called him home. No. I came to put a stop to the hand of the devil's infringement against your family. That's the work of the ministry. Number five, the church is tasked to heal the sick and deliver the captives. <sighs> well, I'd like to read this, but I'm... And then I'd say, read it when you go home, and no one's going to do that. I don't even do that. You go to lunch, and you eat, and then you pass out, wake up for work on Monday morning. <laughs> you watch night sports in a semi-haze from the food. We'll lower the church membership age requirements if you'd like to join. I like you. Thanks for cheering me on.
Um, everybody say signs and wonders. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to deliver the captives. Play Leela. Now, I'm sharing this testimony with permission. I like the first part of the testimony. We're local people. These were not people that moved here from another state or saw me on TV. These were local Coriopolis people who ended up coming into the church that needed help. God quickly helped them. Roll it. We feel that our family, you know, this church was put here for us. Like, we are local people. This is our community. And, you know, my, my child, she, she wouldn't want to come to church with me. She didn't. I fought with her. I fought with her. I'm like, you have to come. You have to come. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm tired or I'm depressed or I just don't, I'm not doing well. And I'm like, no, you, you need to get under this church. You need to get under this youth group. <laughs> and she, she did. She came. She was struggling with so many so many things, and she's just a completely different person. All glory to God. You, you don't have to say anything you don't want to say, but tell, tell me, like, what change you felt from before you came till, till now? Well, I was... I'm just completely different. I, like... I thought I was a boy. I thought I sat there and I told my mom and I sat there and I th thought I was a boy and I thought that so hardly and I was depressed. I wouldn't want to come out of my room. I didn't want to go to school. I hated church. I told myself that I was a Satanist. I, I did not believe in God, I told myself I did not believe in God, that I would never believe in God, that that was never where I was going to be in my life. And then coming, I came to, I started coming to church the night he gave uh, the motorcycle away. And that was the first service. And I remember I sat there and I sat there like all like angry, cross-legged, like. How much did you hate me when you first heard me? Oh, I hated you with a passion. <laughs> like, when I first met you, no like was for you at all. And whenever people would clap at things, I would sit there still cross-armed, just like stern face. And then like, mom had me keep coming and coming. And then um, Pastor Kofi had me meet Pastor Maddie. And then I met some of the youth kids and I started going to youth. And that is what really helped me find God. we can be friends now. <laughs> so proud of you. Give Jesus a big hand clap. I love that video. So there's things tormenting people's lives. They find freedom from it in church for free. No therapy three times a week or 
And, and we have therapists that come to our church. People need that. But Jesus didn't have to outsource any help. He didn't send anyone that was addicted to a recovery program. I'll tell you a second thing. The tide's going to turn against fentanyl this year, and the tide will turn against the transgender stuff. It's already turning. It's not going to find a home. It's already been banned several places in Europe. It's too wicked for wicked people. And I'll tell you another thing. It doesn't have anything to do with sexuality or people's rights. It has to do with, A, $1 million you make per transgender uh, from the, the time it starts till it finishes. And then second, it's about, like, the abortion and all that. It's about developing a class of people, A, who can't reproduce, and B, who will be, ha need government assistance the rest of their life. Because you're not, I don't care what they tell you, you're not going to walk into Goldman Sachs and get hired as a man with a goatee and boobs. It's not happening. Probably didn't expect to hear that on Sunday morning. <laughs> Moving along. Number six purpose of the church. Fellowship. 43. Sorry, 42. Acts 2, 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. And sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Listen to 44. And all the believers met together in one place. All the believers met together in how many places? These Americans that build these big churches. First of all, America, the big churches are in West Africa and South Korea. It's not an American concept. It's actually not in Scripture. In Scripture, they met in people's homes. You heard that ad nauseum during COVID. You know, really, God's plan was never for there to be buildings. It was for us to meet in each other's homes. There were, at this point, 3,120 believers, more or less, and they all met together in how many places? So they did do meetings in people's homes as well. But they also had a coming together where Peter would address the entire assembly. It was a big church. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, in the multitude of, of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people is its destruction. I wish I didn't leave that book. I had it in my hand. I don't know where I put it. But that book I read by, um, that I'm reading by Robert Schuller. Chapter 4 starts out, every church has a choice, grow or die. There's no anointing in God to maintain. The first command is be fruitful and what? I like a small church. Well, God doesn't. He doesn't like it. He wants people to be saved and be discipled, which constitutes a building and land. What did we learn during COVID? If you didn't own your own land and building, it didn't matter how much faith you had, your landlord would order your church to be closed. And God gave land inheritance as a covenant for us. So this, I, I'm just laying this out for the people you have to answer to during the week. He, how big does he want that church to get? So big that the Steelers regret picking Sunday to be game day. Did you know in Nigeria, the soccer teams used to play on Sunday and they changed the day because no one would come because everybody's in church. Did you know that the mosques have changed their day from Friday to Sunday because the Muslims would come to the mosque on Friday, then go to get healed on Sunday, and they would never come back? So they change and start meeting on Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's day. There won't be anybody on the street in Pittsburgh who hasn't heard that Jesus is alive. This church will have impact before the coming of the Lord. So now, now, hey, kids, where's my wife? 
Stand up with me. Why do you have a baby? <laughs> have I not seen you in that long? <laughs> There's video cameras in here that says this is some kind of abduction. You should. Um, this is my wife who's teaching the children, but I wanted everybody in to see this announcement. 107 Patton Drive, where we meet during the week, is a miracle. It's a $5.7 million building that was given to us. You know, even that scripture, Acts chapter 4, those that owned land and houses sold them and laid the full amount at the apostles' feet. So there was land inheritance even in the early church. Because it, everybody say, it's the Lord's doing. And he said, I'll make you the lender and never the borrower, the head and never the tail. You don't have to go and ask PNC for help to build my work. I have all the silver and gold. That's what God said. So then we outgrow that place. And the facilities manager of this building sitting in the front row. And her and the owner of this building, for some reason, cared about me and our church. As you can see, this was not built to be a church. But they cared and rearranged the schedule of the sports teams it was built for and cleared office space out for kids' ministry. Tell me that's not a miracle. And got special permission from the city so we could meet here before the construction was done. And now you can see, as we get close to midfield, and then parking's not set up for this thing to be filled with people. It's set up to play soccer on for 22 people and three substitutes on each side. So you can see parking is getting full, and I was asking the Lord what to do about it in fasting and prayer, and what I'm about to play for you transpired within about three to six hours of when we broke fasting and prayer on day 21. So this will be the first time I'm watching this, and I present to you, the members, partners, and friends of Revival Today Church, what Jesus just did. Roll it. Let me get the worship team back up. Stay on your feet. That land was donated by a family who turned down offers from development companies to gift the land. 24.8 acres of church property. And so that building, uh, whatever the original cost was, somebody canceled on it. And so they gave it to us for whatever it was, 271000 I think, some, somewhere around there. And so... Uh, Obviously, there's work to do. Got to clear the land, get permitting and all that. So we won't be meeting there next. Well, I don't want to limit God. <laughs> we may not. We may be meeting here next Sunday. Let me know when the band gets back up. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give. Remain on your feet for the time being. Um... It's hard to say, hey, kids, some of you are going to get married on that land. Some of you are going to train for the ministry on that land and go to different nations and preach the gospel. You're going to have your childhood memories on that piece of property. Twenty-four acres of miracles. Amen? Right on Interstate 279. Not far from where we're at right now. 15 minutes maybe. So, and 15 minutes from here, it might be the same exact drive because you just take a different exit. 
the Lord's doing, and it's wondrous to behold. Amen? So the next thing that we're going to do is clear the land. That's right at $200,000. And to fully move all the dirt, I'll get to that. That's, that's coming in at about $2.5 million. But you still haven't even come into what the amount of what the land's worth for having to move the dirt around and flatten it out. I don't know if you noticed, but they, we have hills here. This is not Kansas. And so they'll move the dirt around and all that. And, um, but the first clearing is 200, and that, that steel building is 200 and what? 296,000. 60,000 down for delivery, or to hold it, I mean? Okay. So I'm giving you targets because, and I know not everyone can do that, but there are people who can do it, and we also have thousands, tens of thousands, that are watching now that care about our ministry and love us and love Adalis and, and, and Camila and love this church. And Actually, it's their church home every Sunday. We've got people watching from Australia that already had church yesterday. And the pastors watch. So I'm giving some targets because I don't believe... I'm going to say what I'm about to say without sounding arrogant. This is an opportunity for you to get involved in what God's doing in your giving so that God can bless your finances. If no one gives anything, I'll get all the required money by my own faith. And I'm not saying, I'll do it. This is not, we hope we can do it. If you'll give, we can. It's, the Lord is the one who commissioned me. I will never go back to the Lord and say, I can't get the people to help. If I have to build it with my own two hands, number one, don't go underneath the roof. <laughs> but you understand the point that I'm making. It's not, we're going to try to do it. If you could please give, it's going to get done. Just like... No one was ever consulted about building one. No one's ever been told what we pay for lease on, on this that we're running in the meantime. It's not if you can please give, we'll do. It's we're doing. And as King David said, King David didn't say, you know, I'd like to build a temple if the people will give. I'm building this for the Lord through my son Solomon. I've emptied my own private treasuries. Who will follow my example? The same way someone was moved upon to gift the first building. And to gift that land. You can see this is the Lord's work. Watch what happens if out of an affection for the move of God and for Pittsburgh lives to be changed in America. You understand? That's a People that are going to get divorced are not going to get divorced because of what goes on on that land. What goes on in that building? Kids that were going to die as drug addicts are going to get set free and go into the ministry because of what goes on in that land. And when you involve your money, seek ye first the advancement of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do all the other things that you would die trying to get, I will add them unto you. God will add it. I just got back from Texas when I preached there two years ago and the meeting got extended for a month. An oil field worker came up to me. How much is it to buy five new suits? I've noticed you worn the same suits twice because I was only supposed to be there a week. I said, oh, you probably could do it for 500 a suit. He came back the next night. You could get a suit for 500 a suit, but not a good one. So he said, I'm giving you 10,000 to buy five new suits. That's 2,000 a suit. And he said, I've already given in the offering. This is for you to buy clothes. So I went about a mile and a half from where Jerry Jones lives, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, to that, little, that, that section of shopping they have set up for those people. Now I'm one of those people by the blessing of God. Picked out the suits. 
How will you be paying for this? Cash. And overhand, Dominique Wilkins slammed the money on the table, which you don't have to do, but it feels good. Because when you put God first, all the other things that he knows your heart desires, he adds it unto you. This offering is an opportunity to get involved in God's kingdom. I'm not coming to you from a standpoint of need. All my needs are supplied. But like King David said, who will follow my example? Who wants a chance to make God's kingdom and work a priority in your money? When you get involved in God's work, God gets involved in your work. When you get involved in God's business, God gets involved in your business. So if you want to bite off the building, 200 and what, Pat? $296,000. You can, you can do it. Who is watching online or here? That's, that's, that shouldn't be a group project. That should be a one-person project. There's people that bind to poker games that are four times that. If you have trouble giving in church, pretend I'm a slot machine. You can give one quarter at a time for over 11 hours. If you'd like to pay for the deposit, I won't say pay for, seed the holding of the property for 60000 296 too high, but your business or you can do sixty. I'm believing God's going to speak to someone to do that right now. Here, online, or on television. All my friends watching in Russia, if you've been blessed by this, you want to send something back. Eastern Europe, South Africa, West Africa. This is your opportunity. And then... Um, that $2.5 million of moving the ground is in the future, but if somebody wants to bite that off. You got a building that does eight figures and you've never tithed, or a, a, a company that does eight figures and you've never tithed on it. Maybe it's because nothing ever interests you about the work of the Lord till now. This is an opportunity. And then if you, obviously, not everyone can do those amounts. I understand. There was also a time where me, if someone would have said those amounts, my eyebrows would have gone above my hairline. But then there's people that God's blessed that care about the work of the Lord, and you want to sow a seed and see God do something great for your house, this is the opportunity to do that. I'm going to have you take a seat. The envelopes are on your seat to give. If you're watching online, you can go to revivaltoday.com and click Give Now. RevivalToday.com and click give if you're watching online. You can also go to cash app, dollar sign, RT, give. At RT, give on Venmo. Please stop using PayPal. They hate um, churches. They threaten to find people, but we do have it still available. And if you're watching from PayPal and you don't like me saying that, then apologize. So they're going to find people $2,500 out of their account for every time they posted something that's misinformation. Misinformation is like Bible stuff, prayer heals the sick. The vaccine stops the spread of COVID. And if you want to mail something, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. What would the Lord speak to you to do today? 
This is a big day to give. This is a time I wouldn't miss to give to the work of the Lord. This wouldn't be the worst day to write your first check with a comma in it. All our friends and partners that are watching online, just ask the Holy Ghost what your part is. No one has to, no one's responsible, including me. Every person is just responsible to do what the Spirit speaks to them to do, but allow the Spirit to expand your thinking. When are you going to up your giving? I was work, I was a part of a church where there was a lawyer and his wife that gave $50 every week. So apparently they picked a time when they were in their early 20s that they are going to give $50 a week, and they're in their 60s and still hadn't changed it. They don't have to. It wasn't my church. It's just information I was privy to on the board of directors. So you have people that have money that don't give, and you have people that don't have money that give lavishly. It's very interesting where money comes from. But don't let God change your financial level nine times and you still give the same as you did at level two, is all I'm saying. There should be a time where you give your first thousand. There should be a time where you give your first five. Keep up with it and then watch the harvest come. If I kept the giving of this ministry the same level it was at four years ago, <laughs> we'd be bankrupt because our harvest comes after, off, off our giving. $2.7 million last year we gave from this ministry. That's not my personal giving. That's our ministry's giving to other ministries. And then Adalas and I give plenty. In fact, what do we have in the bank right now, Pat? 2.4? Pat, 2.4 million? No, what do we have in the bank right now? 2.4. As soon as it gets to three, I'm giving one. Because my goal when I was a little kid is I, wanted, I saw a guy give a million dollars in church, and I made, I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to get one of those big golf tournament checks <laughs> and give it to some other man. Walk it down the platform and hand it to him. Amen? We could hit three million today. So you understand how I'm thinking. This is going to cost plenty of money. I'm not, we need to save right now and tell the missionary we need to, no. That's how you go backwards. When you have a greater desire to advance, there should be a greater seed that's given. Amen? I'm not making the mistake I've seen a lot of my ministry friends make. We're going into a building program, so right now we can't have any, we can't have any guests. We can't do any giving. We, yeah, and then, then it takes them 15 years. And two different financiers and a huge mortgage payment. But there's another way. You can collect the quail with your hands or you can pick them up off the ground as the Lord blows them in with a strong wind. And this church operates by the wind of God. Amen? Now, the Bible's clear in, the, in Philippians, grace flows downhill. Paul said, because you were interested in what I was doing, the same God who supplies all my needs will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You go to a church that speaks against the blessing of God and prosperity, you're going to have a rough time. But when you plug into a place that stands for what we stand for and walk in, then that grace also, you become a partaker in it. Can you say amen? So I want you to give knowing that. This is not helping the church. This is helping you. The church is already helped. The leader is Jesus. He's not in financial trouble. He's not hoping PNC will give him a 30-day extension on his loan payments he's king of kings and lord of lords and he's in charge can you say amen hold your seat up before the lord those of you online in all the nations of the world 
Hold your seat up before the Lord. I'm looking forward to hearing from you this week online. Let's make this a countrywide project. If you own a, a construction company, you do driveway paving, you do excavation, you do other things that those are the only two things I know, so I can't think of a third example. Get in touch with us. You want to bring up a group of friends, you've always wanted to see a Steeler game, or thinking of coming to Pittsburgh anyway, that kind of thing. You're down in Alabama and you and your four mulleted buddies would like to go move some dirt around because you actually enjoy it. Let me hear from you. We've got ducks to hunt here and stuff. Amen. How many are you excited for what God's doing? Fourteen months in one week. Now, for you, is that a sign to you of what an awesome pastor and church we have, or is that a sign to you of how soon Jesus is coming? For me, it's the latter, that God's in heaven saying, I don't have time for him to have a 30-year building program with a red thermometer that they color in every time somebody gives some more money. I'm coming soon. Get moving. The day will come, says the Lord, where the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. I, the Lord, will hasten it in my time. That's what we're in right now. Amen? Amen. Hold your seat up before the Lord. Father, I thank you for a 100-fold return on every giver today as harvest number one. Harvest number two, as they care about the family of God, I pray every need they have in their own family, in their own children, in their own grandchildren, in their children's wives and their children's husbands, I pray all those needs would be supplied and answered as they put your kingdom first. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. This is a little bit of a different Sunday. But uh, it's a good different. Next Sunday morning, I'll, I'll be back, Lord willing. I mean, Lord willing, if there's no rapture, I'll be back. If there's a rapture, you're on your own. Um, and we'll pick, we'll pick up in this revival we've had going. Thank God for what he did in Asbury, Kentucky. But, and then now it's spread to other universities. But I, we've been in this since day one, brother. And this church will remain in revival till the trumpet sounds. And then we'll pick it up up there with a meal called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Besitos. Te amo. Play, my, play them out with a song of victory as they pass the buckets. And um, enjoy people's fellowship. Just don't do it on the field. Go meet them out in the lobby because you're going to get hit in the head with a soccer ball if you stick around here. There's another group coming at 1 o'clock. How many of you were blessed today? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Stay with me. Stay with Revival Today Church. Let me be your pastor for the rest of your life. I just want a small commitment. For the rest of your life, let me be your pastor. And let's work together to give the devil the worst decade he's ever had. Amen? Give the Lord another great hand clap. Thank you for your giving. God bless you. Go ahead, guys. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. 
If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.